WMT Podcast, episode 48. We are so happy to be here for this one. Uh, thankful is probably a good word to use for this week, Shane. Uh, want to listen? To, uh, wish all of our listeners a happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is actually probably my favorite holiday if you take away like kind of messed up history behind it and stuff. But like <laughs> getting to getting to be with family and just hang out. No, Eating no real drinking. expectations of like gifts or reasons to have to be religious when you're not or, or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? No, like, you can just you. be yourself. No, if, you, yeah. if you like your family, it's a good thing. I guess. Show up, eat yeah. dressing. Yeah. So, but anyway, I'm super thankful for our guest today, David J. Maloney. If you all follow this podcast at all, you know that we were really excited to do this, and then Hurricane Michael came through and kind of ruined it for us. He was gracious enough to reschedule and come back in, and uh, I think it's really important, and why this podcast is a little bit different is because there's definitely a, a public persona here that really all we get to see are the commercials or, or what we read in newspapers or something like that without ever really getting to, you know, we develop opinions on people based on knowing zero about them. And, I, and I'm not saying that that we do that about Mr. Maloney, but just anybody, you know, look at, uh, you know, like Taylor Swift or, you know, yeah. uh, you know, with the Queen movie coming out, Freddie Mercury, several like people that we don't even know these people and, and we're forming opinions on them. And that's kind of what I think is special about this podcast in particular is that we actually get to sit down, get to know someone just a little bit, and uh, you know, get to understand a little more of their story. So we're 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 grateful for all of this. Thank you everyone for listening, and uh, we hope you enjoy listening to us having a conversation with David J. Maloney. All right, uh, WMT Podcast, episode number 48. We're back at it. Uh, we've talked about this guest for a while. We had you scheduled, I believe, a month and a half ago, and then the hurricane came through, and we had to cancel, reschedule. My guest today is Mr. David J. Maloney. How you doing? I am doing dandy. Great, great. Glad to have you in here, man. Thank you. I know your time is super valuable. We appreciate you uh, just choosing to spend an hour of your time coming over to Destin and hanging out with us. Oh, so, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So we'll jump right in. Um the way that I'm familiar with you, the way that I think Shane is, is basically through your commercials. You know, we've always, you know, that's kind of, Shane and I were roommates for years, and y your commercials were like inside jokes amongst us. Like, oh, if yeah. you would say something I didn't like, I'd be like, don't call me, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. It, it got to a point where I was doing ads and I was concerned. Honestly, uh, I was in danger of becoming a caricature of myself. I can see that. And so, uh, you know, at some point... You know, especially when we were doing the most interesting man parodies, um, you know, there was a little bit of a concern of that. Yeah. Do you think that's happened? Um, I don't know if, if, if it has in that sense. I think especially with, for lack of a better way of putting it, the, the, the rebranding that I've done uh, in the sense of um, the ads now focus, with the exception of one or two, on, on how hard I work. And how how the hours that I put in and the dedication that I have to the clients, um, which has always been there. I mean, that's always been who I've been, you know, at the core of it. But, you know, right now there are so many attorneys who are advertising and the market, in, in my opinion, 
um, is is not honestly a large enough market for the amount number of lawyers and especially out of town firms that are advertising as aggressively as they are. And to, to be frank, I think a lot of them are competing for uh, what I consider to be the lowest con common denominator cases. Um, they're the, you know, the we'll turn your crash into cash, your wreck into a check style ads. And um, to be frank, those cases typically are not worth as much anyway. Um, and a lot of times those are the cases that, you know, the the people that are for tort reform hold up as the, the poster children for why, you know, there there should be it. Um, you know, the, the ones where people maybe aren't, you know, quite hurt as bad, but they expect, you know, uh, a lottery windfall. Um, and a lot of those firms are competing for those, that type. Um, I think with the nature and style of ads that, that, that we do, that I've come up with, I, I think we've, for lack of a better way of putting it, won over um, a group of people with the medium to larger sized, higher valued cases. Um, you know, I always used to jokingly say that, but, but, but in all, it was still with a lot of honesty, um, was that most people, you know, um, there are certain people that, that they have friends that have lawyers, they have family who have lawyers, they have employers who have lawyers. So if something happens to them, they have those people they can call upon to ask for input, advice, and referral. Um, the people who respond to attorney advertising don't necessarily, historically, haven't, haven't necessarily had um, those, uh, don't necessarily have those relationships. They haven't already had a lawyer for a divorce that they could call on or a lawyer whom they had for an estate or a criminal lawyer or what have you that they could call upon and say, hey, I just had this incident happen to me. You know, I just, you know, fell because this person just mopped the floor and didn't put the sign up and now my back is all jacked up or this guy just plowed into me at the intersection of X and Y. You know, they, they, um, they don't have those people. So who, who do they call? They call somebody that's familiar to them through television. Um, with the way that, uh, fortunately, with the way that I think that um, I've now uh, hopefully be, become known to most people, um, we now get calls from people who actually have, already have the friends, already had the other lawyers that they would have called for those referrals. And they call our firm because of a reputation that's not just been established through marketing, but also through results and, mm -hmm. and, and accomplishments. Um, and I think, and, and we also get, I got a referral. This actually, this happened this week. This week, I had somebody come into my office and he sat down and after I went through everything with him and discussed his you know, his, his case and decided to take it on. He goes, oh, by the way, he says, I was referred to you. He says, I can't tell you who it was by name yet because he's still, because he's, and, and the guy was in a wreck. The person, let's just say the person who hit him was insured through A, insurance company. Our client had B, insurance company. The guy who referred him to me was an insurance adjuster for another company, not A or B. That adjuster told him that if you wanted a guy who was going to be tenacious, who was going to basically, 
get the most that you could get without having to, hopefully without having to litigate the case, that it would be me. What does that say? I mean, that says that this adjuster felt that I was the one who basically squeezed the most out of him every single time. <laughs> and therefore, when his friend got hurt and was there were other companies involving his, that he felt it was appropriate to, for lack of a better way of putting it, sick me on them, which is, you know, to me, no better compliment. Um, I had a commercial... It's about 10 years ago. Another one based on a true story. We were in a um, mediation involving a case with multiple lawyers, a lot of lawyers. Um, this wreck had occurred on the Mobile Bay Bridge. And what had happened was a, um, uh, a group of fellows were in a, work, uh, a pickup truck, but, you know, one with uh, an extended cab. And they had a ladder on the top that started to come loose on top. So they pulled over to the shoulder on the bayway and uh, fastened, and the driver got out and got between the concrete barrier in his car and had to um, refasten the ladder so it wouldn't blow off and hit somebody. As soon as he got it fastened, back in the distance, he saw there was a box truck and a semi. Now... The Mobile Bay Bridge has signs all over it that says trucks are not allowed in the left lane. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the trucks was in the left lane anyway because apparently he didn't want to be driving in the slow lane anymore. And the other truck saw the vehicle up ahead. And what happens when you see it when a truck sees a car in the shoulder? Slow they down. start to merge to the left to give them clearance. Well, they merged to the left and they clipped the truck that was not supposed to be in the lane that it was in. And then the truck starts ping-ponging back and forth Shit. on the bridge between the concrete barrier, comes straight at the vehicle that my three clients are in and my fourth client is standing in between of. And he has to jump over the side of the bayway and hang off the side what? like he's waiting for Superman to come what? save him. And that, that case, by the way, we called it the Superman <laughs> case in the office because somebody said that. That was called the, that was the nickname for the case was Superman case. And we, um, we get to the mediation on this. We already had one mediation. It failed because there were so many parties. The guy in the box truck was suing the guy in the semi. The guy in the semi was suing the guy in the box truck. We were suing them both because they were both pointing the finger at each other. And I'm like, well, we're going to stick it to one of you, if not both of you. And, and, um, and each firm, since everyone was suing each other, each person had a plaintiff's lawyer and each person had a defense lawyer provided by the insurance company. And then some of the insurance companies were wanting to get their money back on their property damage. So they had separate plaintiff's lawyers pursuing their, what they call subrogation claims, subrogation, just a fancy legal term that means legal right of reimbursement. And so there was like eight, nine, 10 lawyers all, you know, and, and this case was going to take like two weeks to try because by the time everybody examined, cross-examined, recrossed, then and everybody had their chance to ask everybody their questions, it was going to take forever. And so the, the week before trial, the judge ordered it to mediation and because he knew all the lawyers had that next week fully available because that was the week for trial. And he said, no, we're not going to try it next week. We've put th we had three days set for trial. I just realized it's going to take like six. So... 
I don't have six days for another two months. So you're going to take these next three days if it takes three days and mediate this case. And um, the first day we started, and I remember the, the defense lawyer for Allstate said, there ain't no way this case is settling again. I don't know why he ordered this. There's no way. There's just too many players. And I just stayed at it and stayed at it and stayed at it and worked the mediator, worked the mediator, worked this angle. I even went between rooms and tried to get different people to work on different things. I went to talk to one of the other plaintiff's lawyers. I mean, we were, I mean, this thing took, and we started at like, you know, 8.30 that morning and at 8 o'clock at night, that night, well, we had an option at 6.30 to all go home and come back the next day. And I said, let's just give it another hour. And at 7.30, we got just close enough where at 8 o'clock we were able to reach an understanding where all of these lawyers somehow reached an agreement. Um, and so, you know, we had to scribble some stuff down so that nobody could weasel out. And then, uh, and then the, I remember the Allstate lawyer come down to me and he said, um, you have simply got to be the most persistent lawyer I've ever met. <laughs> And that actually became a commercial. I made a commercial about how one of, you know, one of the country's largest, uh, uh, you know, a top lawyer for yeah. the lawyers, one of the, a top lawyer for one of the, you know, country's largest insurance companies once simply said to me, I'm simply the most persistent lawyer he's ever met. And, and, and I'm not 100% sure as to what he meant by that. He could have <laughs> meant that, you know, I didn't give up when other people would have or that I was just, you know, tenacious. Um, but that's a compliment. And that became the subject of, of a commercial. Yeah. So, so I'm sure everyone knows you, what you do for a living. Um, almost everyone in town probably knows who you are. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about your background, how you came to want to get into law, the way you grew up, that kind of stuff. Funny, know? yet another commercial. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, when I was 13, I was required to read To Kill a Mockingbird for Mrs. Wesselman's uh, junior high English class. And I remember reading it and it having an impact on me. And then as we did with a lot of things at that time, they would then, um, and I'm, I'm dating myself here, they would then bring the, the kid from, you know, um, uh, the video room, um, the IV kid. What are they, what are they, what are they called? The AV, AV kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The audio video kid. He would, he would come in and, and, um, on the cart with the big, tube TV and the, you know, the Betamax that was, you know, the size of a small RV. Um, and they played the movie with Gregory Peck. Um, and, uh, I, and I saw that. And between the book and watching it, I knew at that point that was what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be an attorney. And then I, you know, my parents had, were broken up. I had some visitation with my father. And I told him, and I was, like I said, about 13, that that's what I wanted to do when his eyes lit up. Because it turns out that's what he had wanted. But me being born when, you know, he was about to go to college derailed that. So he was, so when you took it being what I wanted, and then my father's pride in me saying that I wanted to do it, that kind of sealed the deal for me, mm. wanting to become an attorney. I knew I wanted to represent the underdog. Then you go to law school, and you st and when you go to law school, you you go with certain ideals, and then you get out of law school, and then you realize that some of the ideals that you had were you you become you realize that they're not necessarily realities, and um, 
and so I realized to me where I felt that helping the underdog would be best is what I'm doing now. Because if you're going up against a big insurance company, you're the underdog. Yeah. So, okay. So you decided you want to do that at 13 mm -hmm. and then where was this? Where, where did you grow up here? Are no, I, or? I grew up, I actually grew up in Woodstock, New York, the Woodstock okay. right. where, where if you go back to visit, everybody still looks like they just walked out of a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> That's really funny. We host trivia on Tuesday nights. Actually, that's what we're going to do after this. We host trivia at okay. Mellow Mushroom. Jay's actually an all-star player. Ah. Um, but uh, but one of the I was actually looking at questions tonight, and they're talking about doing a 50th anniversary for 2019. Mm -hmm. Sure. And one of the yeah, questions I, know, I was looking at was I know the, based I, on I, that. I actually know the fella who who um, does all of that. That's Lang. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, he set up the first one. Um, and he set up all the others since, um, his daughters, um, he's got twin daughters and one of my best friends dated one of them for the longest time yeah. when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you make your way here then? Cause I mean, you, you created quite an impact along the Emerald coast. I mean, you're, aren't you part owner of the, like the hockey team and stuff? Or? I, I have, I have, a, I'm a minority owner mm. in, in the team. Um, well, I went to RIT for undergrad, um, uh, I was actually, I went as a graphic design major, um, which doesn't seem to be the appropriate segue into law. But I, I had the intention of going to law all the time. Um, but um, I went in as a graphic design major because, frankly, I had what I thought was a talent for it. Um, and so I thought that it would be uh, easy, honestly. I thought that I'd be able, because I knew I was going to have to work full time. My parents didn't have you know, my, my mom and my stepfather didn't have a lot of money. Um, I was paying my own way through and I was going to have to work full time while also going to college. And so I wanted to take what I thought would be an easier curriculum because I knew once I got into law school, it wasn't going to be easy. And um, what I found was once I got to RIT, that there were a whole lot of people, a whole lot more talented than me. And it wasn't anywhere near as easy as I thought. Um, there were I mean, when it come when I saw the type of, you know, design work and artwork that these other students were putting out, I realized that I was not, I was not the you know crazy talented guy I thought I was, you know, and and I guess that happens sometimes when you draw a few nice things and you paint a few nice things and you do a few nice things and and everybody in your family says they're great and then you go and you see it and as compared to other people who really 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 there were some remarkably talented people. In fact, um, you know, a couple of them are, that that I went to school with are you know working for Pixar now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so so Plan B was law. No, Plan A was law. Oh, okay. Plan yeah, A was gonna law. You were going to do that to get I just to used law it. School. I oh, used it as an okay. unusual okay. stepping stone uh -huh. um, because I thought that um, I thought that it was going to be, you know, uh, an easier curriculum for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, it was just as hard as anything else. Yeah. So get us to Pensacola. Um, so I then went to law school in Birmingham, um, and um, uh, because at the time. My father, whom my biological father, whom I had not grown up with, was living in Knoxville. And so I thought that going to law school in Birmingham would be close enough, frankly, for me to be able to put the touch on him if I needed something, but not so close that I'd be constantly supervised. <laughs> and so, um, and when you're at that age, that's kind of, you know, the thought process. And, um, and then he moved down to Navarre. 
eventually while I was living in Birmingham. And then Hurricane Opal came, and he told me about um, some property that was down here that had been foreclosed on that was probably a good deal. And I um, decided I was going to purchase it, fix it up, sell it, flip it. And I decided after I did it, I just was going to keep it. And that locked and loaded me into the area. I was licensed in Alabama. So I decided to, you know, uh, to, you know, hang a shingle up in Mobile and make the commute. Yeah. And that's, that was going to be my, my question later on, but we'll just get to it now. With, with, with you being able to do those commercials, how does that work? Because isn't that a thing where you can do it in the state of Alabama, but you can't in the state of Florida or something like that? Well, there's, um, it's, each state has its own advertising rules, and they're all set by the bar, by, by each state's respective bar. Um, Alabama and Pensacola are what they call a hyphenated uh, market. When you look at advertising and you look at, well, not just advertising, but when you look at media, um, certain markets are markets in and of themselves, and then other markets are what they call hyphenated markets where a two towns in two different states share the same television and radio stations mm. because of their yeah. proximity to each other. Um, Minneapolis, St. Paul mm. is a yeah. <clears throat> good example um, where, you know, the, where they, they cross over the state boundary. Well, Mobile, Pensacola share stations, although granted WEAR has got more of a Florida focus mostly based on its news. If you want to watch ABC in Mobile, Alabama, you're watching W watching it on WEAR. If you want to watch a show on CBS in Pensacola, you're watching it on WKRG. Um, and so it's a hyphenated market. So then there are rules that are based on where the station is based out of and where, and even though it doesn't make sense anymore because now everything is so digital, where its stick is located, and by stick I mean antenna. Um, and so that was an issue for a while. Um, but because we advertise with numbers that ring directly to our mobile office with mobile numbers and mobile addresses, if it happens to carry over, it happens to carry over. And that's how and why people in, you know, uh, from you know Pensacola to Fort Walton to Destin may be familiar with our firm in Mobile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are you uh, are you aware of your local celebrity and the the fact that people who don't even know you have opinions formed on you just based on what they've seen in commercials? Well, I jokingly say, um, uh, you know, if I could convince my wife I was a celebrity, I'd be in great shape. <laughs> um, when people say to me, "Oh," and and I do have people who come up and and talk to me and 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 act in that way, I don't consider myself one because. I consider myself one uh, approachable, not that celebrities aren't, um, but I'm a lawyer, mm. you know what I mean? And so I, I don't consider myself that, um, but I do at the same time recognize from people, if enough people tell you it after a while, you recognize that there are people who consider you to be that, mm. whether I am or whether I'm not. There are people who, you know, uh, consider that so. How do you deal with all the negativity? Um, or, well, the or good haters, news is the good to, news to is speak. is that the the majority of it is not. 
Um, but I do recognize that because I am in the public light, that I have to handle myself differently than a lot of people who are not. For example, if I get cut off on the highway, I can't really give somebody the finger back, mm. you know, because then the thing the next day will be, you know, Maloney, you know, <laughs> you know, here's a, here's Maloney giving somebody the finger. So, you know, I, you know, I, um, you know, you, you, I can't go anywhere and do anything stupid. I've got to be, you know, um, you, you know, realize reasonably you professional. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there are places where, you know, you can let your hair down. For example, one of the things I enjoy about, well, one of the things I used to enjoy more about going to the hockey games was you can yell and scream and do whatever you want. Ironically, now that I got into partial ownership, I'm limited in that in some sense because I can get fined as in, in, yeah. in TS. So, for example, you, I, I can't, you know... I, I can't necessarily taunt the refs. There are certain things I can't do that I used to be able to do. Um, and so when I was a, when I was a non-owner, so yeah. Um, Have you gotten fined yet? Um, there was one, there was one uh, game that we had that was in the playoffs in which I felt the officiating was not up to snuff. And I called... Greg, our majority owner, and I said, I want the commissioner's phone number. And, um, and he said, he said, um, you know, he, you know, you know, we're gonna, you know, he says, you gotta be careful what you say, because you could get fined. I said, oh, I'm getting fined. <laughs> I'm getting fined. <laughs> and, um, but he, uh, Greg ended up talking me off the ledge, so, um, he ended up, ended up talking me down. Mm. <laughs> Um, I, I put out some I put out some uh, feelers for some questions from some of our listeners. Okay, is that okay yeah. if I read if I read some of them? Yeah, you? I'm, I'm game. Right, cool. Um, are you aware of the R Pensacola subreddit? Somebody sent me something on that w once, and I and somebody asked me if I would participate in it, and then I looked at it, and it was it was to be honest, it was. A handful of people who were remarkably supportive, and then uh, it seemed to be some trolls. Yeah. And yeah. and I said that doesn't look like fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I left. Uh, so I just said. So no AMA. So yeah. So I'm 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 aware, but um, it didn't seem to be. Uh, when I looked at it, I was like, you know, it, there are some things. For example, you guys invited me, and I went, okay, that'd probably be enjoyable. It'd seem, you know, reasonable, cool, and you know, and and fair. But then. I just went, eh, I just let that one sit. Yeah, yeah, it might be almost like setting yourself up. Um, <laughs> it says if you are aware of it, which flare do you use? I don't I don't get that. Do I don't you know what that? a I, I do not know what a flare is. I must okay. have been out sick that day. Okay. Um, I saw his kid walking down Palafox with a kiss record the other night. No question, just right on. All right. Um that that actually is a is a really cool thing. My my kid's a drummer. Um he started drumming when he was a about four um he's gone through some interesting phases he started off beatles um he then got into zeppelin for a while he then parted with zeppelin for ethical reasons <laughs> um he determined that they he determined that in in his mind that they had plagiarized um stairway to heaven from uh the song uh 
Taurus by spirit. <laughs> and, um, uh, and you know, and then they won that case, but then uh, it then got overturned on appeal, so now it's going back. So they haven't really, so Zeppelin hasn't really won the case yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and then he went through a rush phase. Um, that's difficult that's drumming. Um, yeah. And yeah, and he's, he's got a, some of it down. And then, uh, oddly a, when he was around 10 or 11, he got into a yacht rock phase and now he's in kind of a Pink Floyd phase. And, um, but when I was a kid and I was his age, I was a huge Kiss fan. In fact, I was like Ace Freely for, I think two or three Halloweens in a row when I was, when I was like 10 or 11, 9, 10, 11. I think at 9, 10, 11, I think I was, uh, yeah, I was Ace Freely. I made the costume with aluminum foil and, you know, and the makeup and all that. And when Ace was coming to Pensacola uh, a week or two ago, uh, I had gotten tickets um, and uh, decided, you know, I wanted to go. And I asked him, I said, do you want to go? And, and he, yeah, he was, he was down with it. And so, um, and I had introduced him to it, um, uh, uh, actually on vinyl. I'd gotten him a record, an actual record player, and I've got the original Kiss album and the, uh, and Destroyer and had gotten them for him. And I got him some other cool stuff on vinyl too, like Simon and Garfunkel and stuff that was, so it's, he, he's kind of, he's an old soul. And, um, and so when we, uh, went there, I decided since we were, since, since he was the youngest one, I think in that audience that day, um, that we would see if we could get Ace to sign it. And, uh, we got the first one because it's really dark and a silver Sharpie and thought it might work. And, um, we couldn't, uh, when he went to go up to the stage, one of the security guys kind of blocked him and wouldn't let him up. And, um, he's gone. The kid's, the kid's going to be 12 in a month, you know, let the kid up, but he didn't. Um, but I knew one of the guys working sounds and light lighting. So after the show, um, we were able to give him the record, and he got backstage and Ace signed it for from oh, the kids. Nice. That's red. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, so yeah. So now we gotta. Did you did you sneak in some old fandom? Did you like throw two records in there? And be like, can you get one made out to David? <laughs> no, but but the the cool thing was was that um, they also uh, got him. You know, uh, they got him a pick, and you know. Uh, you know, so that was kind of cool too. Yeah. And uh, but uh, you know, I, I've taken him to a fair number of shows um, because he's you know because he's musically inclined in that way. Yeah. Uh, what music do you listen to on the way to the courtroom to get hyped or to the gym? Um. Let's see. I mean, uh, oddly enough, when I work out. I, it's kind of gonna, this goes back to the work thing. I, I bring work in and I don't, I don't go to a gym. I've, I've got some equipment at the house and I will frankly do a set or two, make a call, do a set or two, make a call, do a set or two, make a call. So I don't get the uh, option of listening to music while I'm working out. And if, and frankly, if I'm, if I'm, if it is on a weekend and I don't have calls to make, frankly, I'll turn some sports on the TV because nothing gets me more motivated to try to get in shape than watching people on TV in much better shape than me. (laughs) That I, you know, if I'm watching a, a, you know, a football game or a hockey game, I'm like, 
I need to get in shape. <laughs> I need to, I need to get my, you know, get this thing going. Um, but, um, but my, you know, some of my kids' musical tastes he gets from me. Um, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm a bit of a product of the 80s, so there's a lot of 80s stuff I like, but there's a lot of classic rock that I like. Great. Um, do you agree that Bob Kerrigan is the Gulf Coast's own Andy Rooney? And how much are you looking forward to the next round of YouTube commentary on local lawyer advertisements that veers from unnecessary to horrifying presumptuous? Does that make sense? No. Well, I do not know. I do not know uh, Bob Kerrigan personally. Um, I have. Can we clarify who Bob Kerrigan is? Because I don't know who Bob Kerrigan is either. Um, uh, Pensacola has a law firm, uh, Kerrigan Estes, Rankin and McLeod. Mm. Um, they've got a good reputation. They've um, they've been around forever. Um, uh, I have caught part of an ad in which um, he seems to be. I want to say he's in a like a rocking chair or lazy boy or something in which he um, is talking about, you know, uh, lawyers and lawyers who advertise. And, and I think he makes some sort of comment about a lawyer being on a truck or something, um, which people um, say is an obvious reference to me. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I don't I I. I I don't know much. I had one person who uh, who saw the whole thing, and they said to me that, that their impression of it was, "Hey, kids, get out of my yard." <laughs> but um, but I I don't know him. I don't know the you know I haven't I haven't seen the thing in its entirety. Um, and uh, and to be honest, I looked for it on YouTube. I couldn't find it, so I don't I haven't seen enough of it to 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 say what I know or don't know about it. I can only say what one person told me was their impression and their impression could be wrong. All right. And the last one from this individual is how can we all as a community work together to defeat Shanananananura? <laughs> um, uh, another guy I don't know personally, I have spoken to him once or twice. Um, uh, the, it's a, it, from what I understand his, his, um, his firm works on a, a, a different business model than a lot. Um, he's given a lot of respect for how quickly he ex- expanded. Um, the, um, you know, I, I try not to, although my ads kind of mock a certain style of attorney advertising, um, I, and, and I don't even want to say that. I think the, if you look at at, at the, the ad that we ran in the Super Bowl last time, um, you know, there are some lawyers who always have a crash car behind them. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Then there are some who always have how much we got somebody in their, in their thing. Uh, that has no bearing on what anybody else's case is worth. And, and frankly, a lot of times, if you see, um, you know, uh, here's an example. Okay, back to the, the, the Shinar thing. Um, he's got billboards right now saying $12 million verdict. Yeah, they got a $12 million verdict. The case is on appeal right now. So as of right now, unless it was recently decided without me knowing, that client hasn't gotten compensation yet. Um, uh, another uh, attorney had boasted a $25 million judgment that he had gotten. Um, and I'm not going to mention any n- names, it's, you know, but it, 
he comes from somebody's toolbox. But the, <laughs> but the, um, and that, um, from what I understand, and I could be wrong on this, but from what I understand, that was a what I would call a hollow judgment, which was a, it was a, a judgment that was obtained from somebody that from something that was judgment proof. There was no insurance. There's no collection. So here you have advertising. We've gotten this, but to me, it's misleading because you got a hollow judgment. You haven't collected a penny of it yet. When you collect a penny of it, then talk to me. Yeah. Then 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 say you got it, but you haven't gotten it. You, you, it it hasn't. The, yeah. One of the things I say is the deal isn't made till the check clears the bank. Okay? If the check's not cleared the bank yet, you don't get to say you got anybody, Jack. Yeah. I years ago I got an eleven million dollar judgment against a dentist in a dental malpractice case. Turns out his dental malpractice insurance lapsed two weeks before he filled this kid full of phenergan, phenobarbital, and nitrous when the kid was four years old, put him into a um, put him into a coma. What and the now fuck? the kid is a vegetable. What the fuck? And this was such an egregious thing that other dentists came together and donated money to get the kid's mother a handicapped accessible van. When other healthcare providers come together because of the malpractice of another healthcare provider, when most of the time healthcare providers will will yeah. will have their own little brotherhood, yeah. that tells you that it's particularly egregious. It's way out of line if other healthcare providers say this is way out of line. Yeah. And 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 that's what it was. But because the insurance had lapsed, there was no collection on any of that judgment. So I myself got a hollow judgment. Have I advertised it? No. Never. Not once. Why? Because I think it would be misleading. Um and so I guess that frustrates me a little. So that's why the second part of that commercial said you know, these are past results I've gotten other clients. They mean absolutely nothing as far as what your case may be worth. Um, you know, uh, you know. Then of course it it went to the Mobile Monkey Wrench, which is you know self-explanatory, and the the billboard thing. And I've got billboards myself. Um, and you know, and then I kind of poked a little fun at myself at the end because, frankly, uh, and, and I did of course the the one on the truck. Now the thing the thing about the truck one is interesting um, because. Um, uh, there's a lot of lawyers throughout the country who actually do do the standing on a truck commercials. Uh, there's a, a, a lawyer up in Atlanta that uh, uh, Nugent who who does them, and and Andy Citrin down here does them. And I know Andy. I, I know I, I know and I know Andy. He's I consider him a friend, and um, and I actually called him a few days before, and I told him I said I've got this thing, <laughs> and uh, I said but I'm gonna do something that nobody ever does that no competitor ever does i'm going to give you editorial rights in my super bowl commercial uh and here's what i aired i'm going to send you a clip by phone and if you tell me you don't want me to air this clip and after i already spent the money and shot it and aired it i mean shot it and produced it and have it i won't i have an alternative clip um that you know um uh the alternative clip was um one call was was had to do with uh, an attorney who advertises one call that's all, and the the line was one call that's all you get, <laughs> and um and so I had an alternative ending in the event Andy said no, and Andy was actually very very cool about it, um, Andy, um, uh, he said give me an hour, 
And after an hour, I didn't hear back from him. So I sent him a text that said, I'm just going to go with the alternative inning. I didn't hear from you. And about 20, 30 minutes, he called me back and said, ah. He said, I ran it by a few people. They think it's funny. He says, yeah, have at it. Um, and so, uh, so you know, we, you know, we ran it with the, the scooter on the desk on the truck. <laughs> That's one of my faves. <laughs> it was it was it was it was cold that day that was we shot that right next to the battleship in mobile um and it was right during that cold spell in february so it was like 17 degrees outside i was in nothing more than just an ordinary suit no coat no gloves sitting on top of this scooter on top of a desk on top of a truck so i'm probably i don't know 30 feet up i don't know how many feet it is but i'm 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 up there let's put it this way they put me up there with a forklift and um and uh, <coughs> oh, it, was, it wasn't a forklift. They put me up there with like a cherry picker. Yeah, cherry picker. Yeah. And they, um, so they put me up up there with this uh, cherry picker, and and um, and I was up there for about uh, I'd say an hour, give or take fifteen minutes. I, I want to say I think it was about an hour and fifteen minutes, because we took a lot of different takes from different angles, um, and um, uh, and some of it I was just you know winging, just like when I did the mobile monkey wrench scene, I was just winging it we just i went in and we set up the cameras and i just made stuff up <laughs> and whatever the crew laughed to is what we flagged if i could make the crew laugh i knew that was going to be the thing to put in the spot so when we were doing that i was just rattling stuff off i was like chicken fricassee hockey pucks you know i'm <laughs> acting like i'm driving and i'm just anything that sounds silly and just goofy i was just rattling stuff off and, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so that's how that thing came to be. But, but just like every other Super Bowl one, like the, 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 the morning of, I'm thinking to myself, this thing is either going to be great or it's going to go over like a, like a, you know, a balloon made of bricks. <laughs> and, and, uh, fortunately it, it, uh, you know, it, it, uh, got some, you know, some positive, uh, feedback. Oh, you hit a big man. Oh, you get uh, the cherry pickers, man. We, you had a cherry picker, right? The and the, the show on the roof, mm-hmm. scariest thing ever. I am not about getting in cherry pickers and getting off the roofs. He yeah. was controlling it. Then, then you. Then I had to he, go up and down like seventy times. Didn't you get sent all the way to the yeah, top? Yeah, I'm, thing? I'm pretty terrified of heights. So my friend heights. who helped me with the rental, when he was showing me how to work it, he took me to the max height. The first thing. See, the thing is, is, is you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm terrified of heights. I'm more terrified of falling to my death from those heights. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I get that. You get that same little thing where your butt cheeks clench up and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> where, you in the, where you're afraid you're going to fall out and Nightmare, tumble man. to your death. Um, Let's see. I have another statement from Maria. Maria says, I love his walk-in closet full of name brand suits. It's amazing. <laughs> How does Maria know you have a, a walk-in closet full of name brand suits? Was that part of a commercial? No, I don't think so. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> Do you have well, a housekeeper? <laughs> well, no, we, um, we used to have a uh, do some charity events at, mm-hmm. at the house and so it's possible that go. that person could have been and we we in later years we roped off the upstairs just to <laughs> you know um but in earlier years you know um people just were all over the place people well that was going to lead me to my next question i hear that you have legendary christmas parties 
Well, that's that. That would be the, the charity events, and what we what we used to do was, um, we used to have. Um, well, my my wife comes from is from India, and um, she is part of a tribe called the Kuki tribe, K U K I. Um, if you actually research it, this is really interesting. Um, the you can trace them back to the one of the ten lost tribes of Israel, and. Um, but there is they're in this area of the northeast corner of of India that is near Myanmar, which used to be Burma. Um, and it is an area that this kind of, that kind of strip of land, that little that comes off the right of India that was it used to be an important trade passage. Um, and to be frank, they have an Asian look, so they don't have the normal Indian look if you can. I guess if there is a normal Indian look, um, and um, I say that with Jay yeah, sitting right yeah, next just, to me, uh, just just <laughs> so so people can kind of put this together. Uh, Wimti veteran Jay Patel is is sitting standing by here. I think he just came to drink whiskey. Yeah, he's just sitting and, like uh, drinking bourbon this whole time to to, to rub elbows with our guest. But um, but anyway, you can t- you can go ahead and continue. Well, um, the. There was there were issues for for um, decades where um, after the uh, the British vacated that area and India became sovereign, the the tribe should have gotten its land back and didn't. Uh, India kind of assimilated it. They get taxed but they don't necessarily get the representation and they're, and they don't look like the rest of the people. And so the government doesn't really, I guess the best way I can put it, care. The best thing I can compare it to is us in Puerto Rico right now. Okay. And, or us and what we would be like with Alaska if it didn't have a lot of oil, Um, you know, or us in Hawaii, if, Hawaii wasn't an important military strategic point. They don't, you know, so there's a certain, they're a neglected group of people. And as a result, the, there's, there was some infighting. My wife's father, um, is, um, Christian. Um, he's, but he is Indian. He, um, and he has a lot of you know, followers, you know, in his congregation. And they are peaceful people. And there was, there's been ongoing for a long period of time, a factioning underground group that was killing them and stealing their land. This resulted in a lot of uh, orphans. Uh, it got so bad at one point where, and this is true, my father-in-law came here and met with Madeleine Albright to try to get it Addressed, and it was addressed at one point in time, and then uh, after September 11th, when our focus became more on dictatorships rather than on um, democracies um, with human rights issues, um, we the the underground groups came back with a vengeance. Um, In fact, my father-in-law was uh, kidnapped for almost two months when he was in his 80s. Um, it took people lining the streets and obstructing trade passage flows and frankly me getting 
uh, a an ex U.S. Congresswoman then become lo- then lobbyist to get with George W. Bush's administration to get his kidnapping and a lack of any law enforcement action on an agenda in the meeting in a meeting with the Indian Prime Minister, which either followed or was just before W's meeting with Pakistan's Prime Minister on nukes. And India and Pakistan don't necessarily get along. And so it made that agenda and within three days of W's meeting with the Indian Prime Minister, my father-in-law was somehow freed. Within three days. That's right. And so these, we would do these events at our home that were that that were essentially fundraisers for the orphanage, and so, um, uh, and that's that's how those things came to be. Um, you know, we would get a tribute band, and and um, and you know, people would come and they'd enjoy a fun time at no cost to them, other than what they would donate to mm-hmm. the orphanage. Right on. Well, that kind of that kind of brings us right into the next question because you said you know we talked a lot about music. Um, I hear that oftentimes you like to sit in with bands and sing Billy Idol. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a handful of things I've done. I can I've done uh, Billy Idol. I've, I've I've probably yeah I've sat in with uh, sat in once with the Molly Ringwalds, a bunch of times with the Mojiles, and a handful of other uh, other bands. Um, sometimes um, and, and I don't. I wouldn't say I so much as sing as I just do kind of impersonations of sorts. <laughs> um, the, um, you know, sometimes I'll do um, uh, like Willie Nelson with, um, um, you know, uh, well, Ron Adams is in this area. Yeah. A lot of people know Ron. And um, and so sometimes we'll jokingly, you know, if, if, if we're at a you know, restaurant and somebody's playing and there's a, a set of mics, we may you know, do always on my mind or something with me as, as a duet with me as Willie and him as Elvis. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, you start off with, maybe I didn't love you all those lonely, lonely times. And he'd be like, maybe I didn't do you all those lonely times. You know, and so, you know, little things I should have said and done. I just never took the time. And then he'd be, you always on my mind, you know, and, and that's kind of how the thing, the, 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 the thing would go. But yeah. And yeah, just uh, different things, not just Billy Idol. It just happens to be the one thing that, uh, a lot of the bands most commonly know that I can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm, there's probably about 20 things I can do, maybe 30, but but that seems to be the recurring thing. We, we got to get out of here, man. It's almost time to go. Just one one other quick thing I want to know. How do you turn it off? What do you do for fun? You fish? You play tennis? Like, Do you ever turn your phone off for a day? Um, I can't turn my phone off for a day um, because, uh, like, the ad that my kid did um you know injuries can happen at any time and mm. people can call me at any time um and there are people who need input and advice at any time um but the things that i do for fun i do like going to shows and concerts i i i um obviously hockey um the um <laughs> i'll probably get a bazillion uh um Oddly enough, words with friends. Yeah. Um, the and, and the reason why I say it is because it's it. At the end of the day, when I'm done, I want to decompress. I want to get my mind off stuff, like a lot of people do. And so sometimes it's watching something mindless on television. Um, you know that's entertaining. Um, something that 
takes my brain off of what it is because otherwise my brain will continue to 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 work mm. i wake up with th- thoughts as to how to either solve problems or creative ideas the the commercial that my kid did um that came to me half awake half asleep while i was in a hotel room um because we go on family vacations he'd record all these things and they would show me working half the time <laughs> and i went to my son and he would then make these little mini movies on his ipad with him and i went wait a minute we could do that with a commercial i called my people up and i said what camera can we buy right now in manhattan on a saturday that would have commercial grade resolution that would also that it's easy enough for 10 year old to use and they told me so i gave it to him and i said here film the rest of this from here and when we had the footage we then came up with the things you know for him to say based on what yeah. the footage was and that's how that one came about so creating commercials on vacation still going <laughs> um, <laughs> no, 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 i'm i'm even on vacation even on vacation i am working I'll return on my calls and then maybe allow myself to go do some things and then I'll have to take a break from whatever we're doing to return some more calls yeah. and, and do stuff. Yeah, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't comprehend that because I have a pretty hectic, uh, I need to be available all the time as well mm-hmm. in my profession. And there's several times throughout the month where I want to like scream, like enough, enough, you know. Um, so I don't, I don't know how you kind of don't have those moments. I I actually, I know what it is. I love what I do. Mm. I love every, almost every aspect of what I do. I love uh, trying cases. I love, um, you know, uh, frankly, arguing with insurance companies. I I love getting good results for clients. Every once in a while, I think the one thing that, the the only thing that I think kind of gets on you after a bit is either A, a client that has unreasonable expectations that is impossible to get reasonable. Mm. And and that's based on those types of ads that I talked about earlier where lawyers go, I got this much money, I got that much money, I got this much money. That creates unreasonable expectations in people's minds as to what the case is worth. And yeah, that I got becomes, rear-ended, I want three mil. And that yeah. becomes frustrating because trying to get make sure that people understand what, what expectations are reasonable and what aren't, that becomes frustrating. Um, every once in a while, you know, you have to have the sixth conversation with somebody about the exact same thing because they want to make sure that you have every single detail and I have it. But you, in the event they do tell you one extra new thing you didn't know, I don't, you know, other lawyers may cut them off. I don't know if they do or not. I don't. I, you know, because that they may tell me that one extra tasty morsel that helps me, you know, you know, uh, get them the best absolute results. So, you know, and then at the end of the conversation, you go, that morsel didn't come and you went, ah, okay. You know, it's, it's, it, you know, so every once in a while, what my what my father would call the time vampires, mm. you know, um, suck just suck the time. That's can be a little frustrating when you have so many things to do in a day and you're really just trying to get home to your family. Um, but outside of that, no, nah, I, I I like every aspect yeah. of what I do. Yeah, well, man, thank you so much for coming in on here. Hopefully, we weren't too much of a time vampire on you. <laughs> no, nah, we, uh, we put it. I, yeah. I, I put it. I put yeah. it aside. Knowing we were. Thank good. you, man. That's uh, we're good. Yeah, you, man, you didn't know us from anything. Uh, so that that really means a lot, man. I appreciate you uh, giving us your time and coming yeah. out here, and uh, and thank you for everyone listening. Still, this is uh, episode forty-eight, so we're still doing this. We're moving along. Um, if you would like to require Mr. Maloney's services, how can they go about doing that? Your website. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you know, our, our firm, uh, it's MaloneyFrost.com. Uh, uh, January 1, it'll become Maloney Lions. Oh, um, I saw you can vote on a uh, new logo, too. I voted on two. 
Yeah. Well, the well, um, you know, uh, Jim Frost is still, you know, kind of somewhat involved in it. Mm. Um, he's in semi-retirement, mostly retirement. Um, but you know, Randy's been in this thing for a couple of years, working hard, or almost a couple of years, working hard, and uh, and that's the kind of the direction that we're that we're we're going in. Frost's name is still in it. It's just going from Maloney Frost Lions to Maloney Lions Frost, and uh, and a and a player to be named at a later date. But um, no, I, I already know who I already. Tell. No, I, I, yeah, I already. I, I already. Big time boy. I already, That's why he's here. Damn it! No, I, I, I already know who 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 it is most likely going Great. to be. But um, but yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. You got it. Appreciate it. Be good. Big 